This is the Investor Frame Podcast with me, Paul Sparks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Investor Frame Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Sparks. And on this show, we ask real estate investors and entrepreneurs to share their story so we can learn from their experiences and get closer to the things that we want in life. Today, I've got my guest, Sina Gadmiri. He is a former dentist turned real estate investor. In his first year of real estate investing, he and his wife did $3.5 million worth of real estate, which is incredible. They do short-term rentals, mid-term rentals, long-term rentals. Now he's got a great podcast where he's sharing his story um, and interviewing other guests and getting them to share theirs as well. So welcome in, Cena. It's great to have you. Dude, appreciate you having me on. Um, I When I first met you, I was like, dude, I feel like we, we click right away. So, so I'm glad Absolutely. to be here and, and honored to come. Black shirt guys, too. Dude. You look good. <laughs> nice. If man. I could just wear all black shirts, I probably would. I pretty much do. So yeah, that's why we got our, our like, whale club shirts are solid black. And like favorite shirts, Steve so. Jobs, you know, you just wear the same thing every day. That's right. Yeah, less decisions you have to make. That's right. Yeah. All right. So let's kick it off with a six word update. And for those who aren't familiar with the six word update, we do this so that we can get mm-hmm. um, you know a sense of where you're at in business, you know, life, investments, wherever direction you want to go. But we, we do it to be concise in six words or less. Yeah. Right. So uh, what's your six word update for today? The doors are opening for me. Awesome. And uh, to give a little backstory on that is, you know, you mentioned I used to be a dentist and I left that last year and it took a little bit of time for me to find my footing on on this whole real estate thing. You know, you hear, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a real estate investor. And it's like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like it took me probably a solid year to get started, to take action, to really start to get the clarity that I'm looking for. It just took me taking action. Yeah. And now I'm feeling the doors are opening. The path is clear. Mm. I just have to go do it. I have to step through the door. So yeah. now it's on me. It's, if I want to do it, it's time for me to just step through that door that's opening. Yeah. So that, that's where I'm at right now. I love that. And, you know, it reminds me a little bit of how I approached my first year or two in business. And I have a, a coach now who calls it soft offense. Mm. And it's the idea of like the best analogy I can think of is Jenga, right? If you're, if you're playing Jenga, <laughs> And yeah. you got this adult Jenga or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the big one. You know, you don't just walk up to the Jenga and mash one of the things in, right? You yeah. kind of yeah. poke on them. You see which one's going to give. Yeah. And then you take that one. Yeah. Um, and a lot of us, we, we go from, because you came from a very professional background. And I'm going to dig into that here yeah, in a second. Yeah. But like, there's so many things in real estate and it's <laughs> yeah. very overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the good thing too, though. Like there's so many avenues within real estate. Um, coming from a very structured background that I was in where I knew like every step for my next five steps, it was always, you know, go to school, go to take this class, you know, pass this test, take this licensing exam, get this, get this job. And then the procedures were very structured, which I liked, but it didn't have as many avenues as real estate because I also want to be challenged and be, and be growing and be Mm. able to change my mind and, and adapt and when I left that to go into real estate, because there's like a hundred different ways you can go. It's path, overwhelming. Path unknown. Yeah. I felt like I was dropped in an ocean and I'm like, I can swim, but like, I don't know where to go. Like, do I go this way? Do I, do I go, you know, long-term rentals, short-term rentals, wholesaling, do I be an agent? Stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it, it has, a, it's a pro and a con, I guess, of all the options you can do. So the doors are starting to open and that's great. Um, yeah. And so I want before we we start diving into your your background and things like this, right? You we talk about this idea of the solvable problem, yeah. and we use this as a tool to help us get closer to the things that we want. Yeah. 
because as you know, as you know, the trap of chasing more and more and more is always there, especially in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, so when you think about your solvable problem, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I'd be lying if uh, I wouldn't fall into that trap. Yep. Um, as a guy, I'm pretty competitive. Um, I can set a goal and I'm pretty confident I'll hit it. And, and this is, I'm not trying to be cocky or anything. Just I, I like to have a goal and hit it. But I can see how that goal would change. And, yeah. and the goal post would move over time. So I think for me, my unique solvable problem is how do I build a life where I maintain the energy that I can bring to the day for my relationship with my wife, for my friends, the community, my mental health, my physical health? How do I grow and challenge myself, but also maintain that yeah. as well? Um, and how do I do that even you know, when we have kids next year? Mm-hmm. Like I want to be an example of someone that they see their dad work hard and they, see the, they get these values, but also I bring energy to that relationship as well. And they, they can feel that too and not just be absentee or feel like they're, I'm not fully there with them. Mm-hmm. So it's how do I work on that now and build this in that way? Well, and it's interesting that you talk about energy because I think a lot of people confuse time. They say, well, I want freedom. I want financial freedom. And, you know, when I hear that, I immediately think, I'm not sure you're saying what you actually mean because what people say is I want financial freedom as if they're just going to sit around and do nothing all day. Yeah. Right. But what I'm hearing you say is that what you really want is the energy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're okay working. Yeah. Like, I like to work. Yeah, you know? I love working. But what it is, is it's more like I, we want the energy. You want the energy to put it towards whatever that may be in the phase of your life that you're in, right? Yeah, and the ability to control that energy of where where you're not forced in one way or another. And yes, there's times where... It, it can be off balance. And I don't think there's, there's also this thing of like a balanced life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes life's unbalanced when you're in busy seasons, you're in growing seasons, you're stretching, stuff like that. But it's the ability, I think, to choose how you spend your energy throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, it's, and I think I agree with you when some people say, um, you know, they, they want a, uh, freedom, right? And a lot of people think that's financial. But I think if someone really sat down, and they calculated out that number they need to be financially free, I bet it's a lot less than you think. Yeah. If you actually added up everything, it's actually probably a lot less than you think. Well, and that's, that's really the underpinnings of the solvable problem, right? Yeah. Is this trap of chasing more, because I'm sure, you know, you probably, like me, got into your professional career thinking, if I could make a certain amount of money, oh, yeah. then I'll be good. Dude, I thought I was just going to make a ton of money the rest of my life and I'd be happy. Yeah. That's all I was thinking. I was like, dentist, I'm going to make like, you know, three, four hundred K a year and I'm going to be super happy. Like that's the goal. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the then wake get, up call, Then man, you get there. You and get it's there like... and like, man, I, I had the best job. I had like four days a week, no weekends. I had good pay. Mm-hmm. My trajectory on everything was good, but it was the energy, man. The energy at the end of the day was like, man. I wasn't fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You know, the money was there. The hours were good. On paper, everything was good. But at the end of the day, the energy was just like, man, this yeah. is not how I can show up to life for my, for my wife, for my future kids, for my friends, for, for people I want to make connections with, so yeah. stuff like that. And there's trade-offs to everything, right? right. Um, so tell me more about this. You, you, know, you guys just moved to Denver recently. So you yeah. were in, in Austin, correct? Yeah, we moved from Austin, Texas. Got married last April. Yep. And we moved right after that. I think it was like two weeks after. Moved up to or moved up to Denver. 
We've lived all over. Um, we're from Seattle originally. We lived in New York when I was in dental school, San Diego for a couple of years, wow. Austin. All the hot spots. Yeah. We, we went to Austin before it was cool though. Like okay. we did it before all the California, <laughs> we were the first Californians to go. Like we we're the first wave of U-Hauls. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we, we knew we didn't want to go back to Seattle and we can get into this if you want to, but it all came down to environment. Mm. I think we had, we have a really good group of friends up there, but it wouldn't challenge us in the way it would if we had to go try a new city. So that's how we settled on San Diego mm -hmm. after I graduated. We're like, let's just go, let's see what happens. And as soon as we did, we loved it. Like it's the growth that comes from being in a new city like that. Because when I was in dental school, it was kind of like I was in a microcosm of this environment because I have classmates and, and we weren't really like stepping out on your own too much. Mm. But this was like a choice to go to San Diego and like try a different way of life. And ever since that, we're like, I think we want to not live in Seattle the rest of our life. So San Diego didn't work out. We went to Austin. We thought that would be our place, but we visited Denver a couple of times. We're like, yeah, mm. I think Denver is our spot to put down roots for what we're looking for at least. So that's how we settled here. So where did the real estate bug come in? Man, it was, it was, it was in Austin. And I always thought about like, I think I could be good at real estate. I was mm. interested in the numbers. But I always told myself, you know, I'm too busy to do it. I didn't take enough initiative to find enough information out <clears throat> on my own. And then my wife and I have this friend and mentor, uh, Steve Valentine. He sat down with us one night at dinner and, we and he has about $60 million of real estate in mm -hmm. uh, Phoenix. Wow. And we, he was just kind of breaking down some options on how you can, like the Burr method. Like stuff, mm -hmm. I literally knew nothing about that. I didn't know you could take money out of a house and like go buy another one. They don't like, teach you this in school at all no you just get like the pythagorean theorem and like right. that's it like yeah. but he's showing me this he's like yeah i just moved the like money around and i buy houses and the tenants paid off and then you get these tax benefits i'm like wait what like this is crazy you have all these little piggy banks of houses like that's amazing yeah so that got me even more interested and then it was that day i was just sitting at work at the end of the day just exhausted it was just one of those days i was just like man this can't be it for the rest of my life right i can't do it i was like this isn't gonna work um I can't be the person I want to be with this, this life, this work in this job and working this career. Yeah. So I got home. My wife was on a work trip. She got home that night and she sat down with a glass of wine. I was like, I think I want to leave dentistry and try real estate for six months. Um, and I'll go back if it doesn't work out. So whatever that means. Yeah. And she's the ultimate hype woman. She's like, go for it. She has her own business. She's an entrepreneur for the last like 10 years. So she, she really was on board for that. And I'm lucky in that sense. And I'm also was fortunate that she has a business that we can lose that income for me to go do this. Cause I told her, I was like, I think I can blow this up. Mm -hmm. Um, I just need some time. Um, and she was super on board, but so I, so I put my, my notice in that next day or that following Monday, three week notice. And, soon as I got left and it was like my first day on the job, I'm like, okay, so what do I do now? Like, what does a real now estate what? investor do? Mm. And that was a struggle, man. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you, I went from like structured to like figure it out yeah. overnight. And I don't know if I'd recommend that Yeah. Uh, if I had to go back. Well, so what's your, we, we, we've talked about this, uh, not on this, on this episode, but on previous episodes, the idea of, of the barbell. Yeah. Um, and this is a, what I love about this concept is it's a thousand year, multiple thousands of year old concept around yeah. how to mitigate risk. And that doesn't <laughs> sound like that's sexy or whatever, but yeah. you know, when you're doing something new, 
the idea is that on, on, you know, if you're going to lift weights with a barbell, yeah. right, you don't load the weight in the middle of the bar. Yeah. It's either on one side or the other. And so the, the terms that we use to describe that is on one side, we want to have a reliable, stable, consistent, predictable side of our life, totally. right? So that on the other side of the barbell, we can load that up with these upside plays, right? Yeah. Where if it doesn't work out, well, you know, no big deal, you right? We still reliable. got the reliable yeah, side. Totally. And it seems like, you know, you approached leaving dentistry as that sort of that approach, right? You, you still had your wife who had the reliable side of the barbell. You yeah. probably didn't leave your job with zero dollars in the bank account. Yeah, we had some savings. So. You had yeah, some was, savings, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and then you did that to pursue this upside. Yeah. And so what did that look like? You know, you left in, uh, what, when, when, what time, like what year was this approximately? Uh, July 2022 or 2021. Okay. Yeah. And so what did you do from there? Yeah, thank you for um, explaining that because that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, we it was it was there was more into the decision than just my wife said leave, and so we really looked at our finances and we looked at everything. We're like, this there's no better time than right now. We don't have kids, we don't have a mortgage, we were just renting. Mm -hmm. uh, we have plenty of savings right now, and um, it's a perfect time to just try it. Mm -hmm. and, and she was on board, and it was a, it was a really team decision on that. Um, so you're right. The barbell that was stable was she had her business. She wasn't really launching anything new. Um, she was just uh, kind of expanding on what she has. So she wasn't taking any big kind of risks in her mm -hmm. business in the foreseeable future. So we looked at it as the upside would be, okay, what if this real estate thing works? Right. Like I, I was like, I, I'm pretty confident. She believes in me a lot. And, and I, even when I sometimes doubt myself, I'm like, I think I can do it. Yeah. Um, so we looked at the upside of, we didn't quite know what it was yet. Um, but I was like, I, I think this can be bigger than just like us, me working as a dentist. Yeah. Like I just need some time and some, some ways to learn and some, some space to just learn it and really immerse myself in it. But I think this can be bigger than dentistry and she was on board. So yeah. that was our barbell that kind of balanced between those two things. Yeah. And so one of the other things that we, um, it's, it's called the parenting frame. And so this idea of like, well, imagine you're a parent and you ask yourself, like, well, what can I do to prevent bad things from happening? Yeah. Right? How do I prevent bad things from happening? Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of times people get caught up chasing upside. Like, I could make a lot more money when I do this. But what you find is when, when it really gets down to it, the, the people who have the most, um, I don't know, positive momentum are mm -hmm. the folks who say like, how do I pre first prevent bad things from happening? Yeah. Right. And that comes from the reliable side of the barbell. Yeah. That way you can go and spend six months to just, you know, the Jenga game, right. Yeah. Press on some stuff, see what happens, yeah. you know, soft offense kind of thing. So, um, you know, so what were some of the things that you did to press, right? You started yeah. pressing buttons. What did that look like? Yeah, and actually one thing real quick is I wish I would have jingled it before I left dentistry when things were okay and mm -hmm. I was in that like, I can manage it, like working because I would have tried real estate. I think that would have been a better barbell is when I was in the industry and then trying real estate on the side. Mm -hmm. But can't go back and change it. But yeah. I would have, like people ask me all the time, like, should I just leave or should I do like, I'm like, I don't really recommend that to be yeah. honest. Like, What's well, this whole, I, I, this whole idea of burn the boats. Yeah. Right? I don't recommend that. And what I don't like about that story is if you actually 
know what happened with Cortez in the 1500s. The option that he had was either win or if he was to go home, he would have been executed. Right? Yeah. We're not facing yeah. execution here. Right? Worst case scenario is you can go back to your dentistry job. Worst case scenario is you can fall back. So yeah. this idea of just jump in with no safety yeah, net. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying like, why do that when you could you know, s- slowly work your way into it, get some ex- you know, experience, Feedback, yeah. build both sides at the same time, and then make the jump when you've got reliability built in. Yeah, but that we, doesn't sell why as Why well. are we acting like we're going to die? Right, <laughs> The worst exactly. thing that usually happens is like Starbucks gets your order wrong. Like we don't live in a world where we're going to... That's right. We're getting attacked. <laughs> like, well, and, and burn the boat sells a lot better than... Why don't you slowly start to make your way into the industry, press some things, see what works. Yeah, that's not sexy. <laughs> it, it just it, doesn't, it doesn't sell sound well. that, It sounds like tiptoeing, right? Right. Um, I think there's a way to go all in without burning the boat. Like, well, and all in is not a bad thing. It's just like... You shouldn't go all in until you've got some sort of mitigation of the downside, right? Totally. Because the idea is like, well, if if you lo- if you go all in and lose, and you could you know blow your whole life up, is that really a bet you're willing to make? Yeah. Right. If you go all in and you lose in a scenario like we're talking about, worst case scenario is you go back to your corporate job. Yeah. Worst case scenario is you fall back on your savings. Yeah. You have to you know, but we're not saying do this with with no, you know, not hedging the downside in some way. No, that's Um, such a good way to put it. um, So anyways, you started doing, how did you get into rentals? How did that, how did that happen? So our same uh, mentor, Steve Valentine, he, we went out to Phoenix. He, he sells a lot of properties to investors. So we went out and just spent a week with him, just shadowing him and and getting to know he's a long-term guy, long-term buy and hold. So that's what we learned first. And he had a property that was a solid deal. And he's like, dude, you guys should buy this. Um, He, he, he has a renovation side too, so he'll buy it and renovate it and sell it to us kind of yeah. thing. Yep. So we bought that long-term rental and, and- This was in Phoenix, right? Phoenix, yeah. yeah. And I was like, cool, like we're gonna get these tax benefits and the loan pay down and like in 20 years, like this is gonna be awesome. Mm. Um, so we did that and then, so that was like February, we got married in April and um, we decided when we got to Denver, we're gonna get another property. And so we got here and then I kind of was just like, oh, I don't really wanna do like long-term, like that doesn't really, I don't know. You, you, it doesn't excite me. Like the hundred yeah. bucks cash flow a month, like it's great and it's a good investment. But I started thinking about Airbnb. I was kind of anti Airbnb to be honest. I was like, it's kind of a fad. Um, but I went to my first, uh, went to this meetup that's an Airbnb meetup, and just started talking to people and getting more information about what are they making and like how much work it actually is and what they mm-hmm. think about it. And I was like, dang, I should actually, I need to stop like resisting. And let me just like find out more. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there I was like, all right, let's do it. Because my wife was excited about that more than the long-term rentals. And not that she's, she did, she's part of the real estate cause we're a unit together, but mm-hmm. um, she was excited to help with that too. So I was like, this could be a fun thing that we do together. Um, so we went out and, started searching for an Airbnb. I think we closed like a month and a half later nice. after that event. And it's kind of off to the races because that's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like to systematize. I like to create like unique, like a unique guest experience. Mm. Uh, like that part's really fun for me. If you don't like that kind of thing, I wouldn't recommend uh, getting into that space. So we did that and we purchased a quadplex to, that was just a good deal. I uh, found on market mm-hmm. and, uh, got that and then now we're under contract for another airbnb and i think we'll do we'll, we'll close on that one and then we'll kind of see where we're sitting on on the next route 
uh, we want to go. Mm-hmm. So kind of just uh, learning as we go a little bit of, yeah. and part of that was just taking action and seeing mm-hmm. what we like. Uh, because I, like I mentioned earlier, dude, I sat there for a while and just read the books and listened to the podcast and, and never actually like took action to find out what I like by like immediate feedback. Yeah. Kind of like you say, like get out there, push the Jenga um, things and then learn what you like. Yeah. And I, I was kind of just on the sidelines looking at the Jenga set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and last time, you know, we, we met, we were chatting about this and you were telling me about the Phoenix rental yeah. and you know, you're like, eh, I'm not that excited about that deal. Right. Yeah. It's a deal, but, but, but it was the base hit you need right. yeah, to absolutely. get you going. Yeah. Right. And so it might be the most important deal, honestly, because we might not be here today if, if you didn't just get in the game. Right. Yeah. And there is a sense, there is like a certain, I don't know how many people struggle with this. It's probably most of us, but like, you know, you, you just, the, the steps to get where you want to get aren't clearly defined yeah. and you get hyper-focused on steps six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And it's like, wait a second, what's the first step that we need to take here? Yeah. Um, and you know, just, you have to engage. And so, um, what's your opinion on the idea around some people have very strong opinions around like short-term rental, mid-term rental, long-term rental. How much do you think preference plays into that? Like personal preference? Yeah. I think personal strength is probably a better way to, to, I think we all have a few things. I think some people hear, you know, Airbnb is crashing or Mm -hmm. their brother's cousin's friend lost money on a, on a, on a flip mm-hmm. or they hear these things. I think we're already pre-programmed from just things you've heard to be, pre- to have preference towards one or the other, yeah. because maybe that's what you know. Maybe yeah. you're, maybe your parents have long-term rentals and you're like, well, that's what they did. Yeah. Um, so I think there's some like subconscious preference that goes in. Um, I don't have preference towards either one. I just encourage people to do what they like. And right. I think if you're in your zone of not zone of genius, but just like excitement, for what you want to do, um, you'll make anything work. Yeah. Um, you just gotta, cause it's a lot of work any way you go. Like don't know. Some people say like Airbnb is a lot of work. I don't, once you get systems up, I don't think it's that much more work because the people make it out the same. Long-term rentals can be just as much work, man. Yeah. Like it's, it, if you don't like them, then it feels like a lot of work, but if you mm-hmm. enjoy what you're doing, you're bringing good energy to the day. Um, I think that's a better way to feel, feel out what way you want to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that the folks who tell you this is how you should do it yeah. or this is how you should do it, you know, I have a hard time with that because these things are so preference-based. Yeah. You know, it's personal. Yeah. Like, do you like the design side of it? Are you yeah. looking for more of an active, you know, this, this idea of like profitability versus comfortability scale, yeah. Yeah. you know, and everyone's going to fall differently on that scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but it's sold to us as if, you know, it's prescriptive, exactly. right? Like, yeah. here's what you should do. Here's yeah. what you shouldn't do. Here's and, a way to do it, not the way to do it. And yeah. And so I think that's my opinion. What keeps so many people, you know, this analysis paralysis is they're, yeah. they're listening to so many people tell them should, yeah. and you know, this, that, and the other. And it's like, when you give yourself permission to play your game and yeah. to say like, look, I have certain personal preferences that you may not have, yeah. which means there isn't a right or wrong way to do this. Uh, or risk it's, appetite. 
Exactly. Yeah, because those are inherently different risks on each of the, each strategy within real estate, right? Yep. So that plays into it too. What's your what is your perspective on risk in terms of your portfolio? Right. I know you have a lot of short term rentals, and in fact. One of them is two houses up from a house that I bought, um, and I thought that was kind of funny when we got. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to ask you to tell me about that story. Yeah, but yeah. What's your perspective on on risk right now in terms of short term rentals, long term rentals, that market? I think let's if we back it up. Like I think real estate in itself is one of the least risky things you can do. It's been around for thousands of years. People yeah. have always lived somewhere. There's nothing that's going to happen to a house. Because that was my whole thing. Is like I know nothing about like how to fix something. Yeah. And I had a friend of mine early on say, like, there's literally nothing that can happen that hasn't happened before in a house, and there isn't someone to fix it. It's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh. I mean, it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Like, it has been tried and true. And I think what happens is we get focused on these micro times, these, these fluctuations in a micro scale. But if we zoom out, I don't think real estate is a risky asset class. It can be risky on the micro if you're buying a bad deal and you don't have the, the ways to cover your, you know, you can't cover yeah. your mortgage or you don't have time to like really give that property its full potential and bring it up to like its best use. That can get you in trouble or um, buying a bad deal to flip. Like if you don't buy it right, like, yeah, that could be risky. Yeah. Uh, but I think as a whole long term, it's one of the least risky things. For me, um, it kind of goes back to, I guess Airbnb is deemed... It, it gets a wrap for being more risky, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's risky for people that aren't operating it for the new way Airbnb needs to be operated. The standards have just gone up. Yeah. Um, you gotta, it's gotta be professional, man. You have, you can't just throw up like grandma's couch and, and, yeah. and rent it out. That is risky. Um, I actually think buying the cheaper price properties is more risky than buying expensive properties. Hmm. Um, that's my personal preference. I think people that are looking for those high-end homes to travel will keep traveling yeah. even through the ups and downs um i could be wrong uh, but but uh, it's our data is showing that on on our first airbnb and we'll see on the second one um because they are a little more higher end yeah um because we've seen deals that are you know even half the cost and i'm just like i don't know man i don't think the upside is there yeah um and i'm looking for the upside right now we have the risk tolerance and the ability to do that ask me in five years and we have a kid and Right. I don't want to do that. Maybe I would change my plan. And yeah. I think that's what you really have to ask yourself is, do you have the time and do you have the risk tolerance mm-hmm. and the energy to put towards it? Uh, because nothing's going to work if you're not um, really setting yourself up for success yeah. on any type of property. So, I mean, you and your wife bought $3.5 million worth of real estate in your first year of investing, which is yeah. a, a phenomenal number. Um, Tell me about that portfolio. Tell me about, a little bit more about these deals. Yeah, so we have the uh, Phoenix deal that was yeah. four hundred. Um, we bought it, and uh, this one is pure luck. And I'm gonna just like throw it out there, like straight up. It, it was in a in a part of Phoenix that appreciated super quick. Mm-hmm. So we actually went and refied it uh, six months later. Got our money out. Love uh, it. Straight burr. Accidentally, I'm yeah. not taking. We didn't do anything to it. Uh, yeah. We did some paint and carpet, put a renter in, and then. Our, our mentor, Steve, was like, dude, go refi that because I think there's like three sold houses in that neighborhood. Denver. Well, what is, what is, what's the phrase? Like, it's hard to get lucky if you're not taking shots. Like, oh, you miss 100% of the shots you never you don't take. take. Yeah, right? you right. just got to get in the game to that's ride it. that wave. And that's, that's a whole other thing we can talk about. Um, and then we have um, 
our Airbnb that we bought, that was uh, 975 over in Wheat Ridge in Denver. The thing I liked about that deal was we got one of the last few licenses mm. left for short-term rentals in Wheat Ridge. Because there's a couple um, like zones and four zones. Yeah. Um, so we're in zone two. I think there's only like five licenses when we bought the house wow. left, and now it's gone. Um, so no one else can get a license. I like that kind of artificial constraint of supply. Uh, agreed. Um, so we probably overpaid on that house 25, 30 grand. But if you upside- bought it in 2022, like or 21, we we all overpaid. It was 2022, so it was um, and. I hate to use the word overpay because yeah. the value to me was there um, because we operated it as a short-term rental and, mm-hmm. and it returns really well. Um, Is that one just a, a standard single-family house? Yeah, we it was a four-bedroom. We turned it into a five. Um, we did a whole backyard and got it ready for, for Airbnb. And that kind of goes back to like, if we just bought it and plopped it up on Airbnb, I'd be singing a different tune right now. Yeah, uh, We really had to think about functionality and design and, and mm-hmm. create the space for function for people that want to travel. Um, so we had to go and do some, some renovations in there. Yeah. Um, it was a nice house already. It didn't need a ton, but to optimize it, we realized like we need to take that extra month and make it right. Um, which is annoying on the front end because you're paying out the mortgage while you can't have renters in there. But now we're like, okay, great. It's working. It's, it's how we envision the house to be used. Awesome. And, uh, during that time, so I'm big on seller finance. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like dealing with banks. It's so annoying. Like they ask me for so many pieces of paper all the time. You um, sound like a crypto investor. No, <laughs> I don't do crypto. <laughs> Not my thing. That's their whole thing is they hate banks. So I hate for a lot of the same reasons that we hate banks yeah. because it's just, it's like pulling teeth just to get anyways. Yeah. And ask me about pulling teeth. I know. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's easier to pull teeth than to get a loan from a bank when you're an entrepreneur yeah. and you don't have a W2 job. Yeah. Um, so at that same time, I found this quadplex, the one you used to live by apparently. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just threw it out there. I was like, dude, would you be open to seller finance? And the guy was like, yeah, I was like, sweet. Um, we, we had agents on the deal. It was on market, but we got that one for a million. I think the original price he had was like one, one, five. We settled on a million seller finance, uh, which was, we did 15% down, um, no balloon, 4.75 interest. Um, and we're off. I'm like, great. I'm going to hold this note forever. Mm-hmm. Um, for you guys that don't know, this house is like in what I call townhouse city. Yeah. And it's, you know, the first house, first couple properties I ever bought in Denver were brand new townhomes. Why? Because I literally had three and a half percent down and maybe not a penny more. And I'm like, I can't afford uh, capital expense. Yeah. So let's buy a brand new house where I've got a year and one of you know two of the properties I bought were right on this same block. Yeah. And yours, this house is stuck in between all these. Dude, it's like that classic houses. picture of like the dude that won't sell. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's surrounded by these brand new townhomes. Well, we pulled up to the house, and I look around. I'm like, oh, I gotta have this house. Yeah. This land is worth. Well, and there's a giant like what sixty something unit micro condo thing yeah. going across the street. So. Yeah, it was like the perfect time because this guy's a tired landlord and mm-hmm. he knew he had to go in and he already probably used all his tax benefits and he probably had to go in and renovate if he knew he had to keep up with this neighborhood well i knew he was tired because all of his tenants stuff was pouring into the 
uh, the alley that I would drive down to get yeah. into my house. And we would always, I'd literally have to pull out and move their crap into their yard because it was spilling into the street. Dude, you want to hear about our second day of being a landlord on that house? Yes. Uh, so we close, uh, shoot, I think it's like on August 3rd or something. Mm-hmm. And so we, on August 4th, we're going to go take, we inherited four tenants. So we're going to go take like a welcome basket. So like my wife and I were like, we're literally the best landlords ever. Like we're bringing you some like peanuts and some like chocolate. Yeah. Like you're going to love us. Bribes. Just, yeah. Just please don't mess up the place. Because <laughs> um, yeah. so, we inherited them. And I'm like, I have no idea about them. Right. I just want them to pay. Yeah. And like, please just pay until your lease is up because uh, we're going to renovate. Yeah. And uh, well, we get there and there's a truck slammed into the garage door mm. broken the garage door and like, we just start laughing i'm like there's no way this happened that tenant is in jail right now uh we knew this during the so let me back up we knew during the closing that one of the tenants went to jail i don't know for what i didn't ask questions yeah uh, and the seller was like do you want to delay closing and get him evicted because at that point he stopped paying rent mm. obviously he's in jail uh but he, the seller was like he's a good guy i don't know what he did he always paid on time so i'm not sure what's going on we can delay closing or we can close um, and you take it on. I was like, just close. I don't want you to back out of the deal. I like the terms. Yeah. We'll hand, cause evictions take, I don't know, 90 days. Like mm-hmm. so much can happen in that time. So we knew that he wasn't there, but we got there and there's a, his trucks like slammed in the garage. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like go to find out his brother dropped off his truck and somehow slammed it into the garage door. No idea how, whatever. Go to our first tenant and drop off the basket and he's like he like grabs the basket and he's like oh uh, i'm gonna be late on rent (laughs) great great perfect good start go to the second tenant uh seller told us she was trying to get a dog for the whole time that he she was there he kept telling her no per the lease can't have a dog we pull up open the door guess what comes running out a nice little puppy comes running out like oh my god she her lease was up in like a couple months i'm like not a big deal yeah and then the third guy is great so like that was our first day as landlords. And, uh, I say that story because I I had no way of preparing for that. Yeah. Um, and so that was a big moment for me where I like to be the most prepared, but I had to get over that fact. Like you just got to go and start because there's no, there's no playbook on what happens if your tenants in jail, how do you do an eviction and how do you handle a non-payment? Like there's no book on that. No. Like you just got to get in the game and get started. Mm -hmm. And that was a turning point where like, all right, I need to stop overthinking and just realize I'm going to figure this out. And guess what? We figured it out. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. We talked to the guy in jail. It's like, Hey, do you want to just separate ways? He's like, perfect. Uh, he got us, he had someone get his stuff out and it was done. Yeah. Like it, it, it really isn't as nothing is as bad as you think it's going to be. It sounds like crazy. And you're like, Oh, eviction and you know, non-payment of this. It's like, no, they, you just figure it out. You're working with people as long as you're doing good and, and you're trying to do the right thing. Yeah. People respond, man. Well, we were talking just before we we hit record about like there's nothing really new in this business. Like yeah. these, yeah, you might it might be new to you, right, right. But tenants have had to be evicted before. Yeah, you know, uh, tenants have had dogs when they shouldn't have ha- had dogs. I mean, yeah. the problems that we experience are only new to us, but they're not new to the industry. Totally right, and yeah. so. Um, you know, what do you, what have you done? It sounds like you, you work with a lot of mentors and you work with people that, that can trust and kind of help you get through this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what gives you the confidence now to continue forging forward? Is it the experience? Is it like surrounding yourself with the right people? What is it? 
it's community, man. Yeah. Um, this is a cool, this is a cool, like real estate is a cool asset mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people can collaborate. Yeah. Um, back when I was a dentist, dude, you don't really collaborate with the guy down the street because they want your patient. Like right. it's very competitive. Yeah. You get into this space, it's very collaborative. Yes, there's not everyone, you know, this is generalized. Uh, but you go to a real estate meetup, man, people are friendly. Yeah. Like, like we met, we talked, like, you know, we might do a deal. Like it's, you can like collaborate with each other. Yeah. Um, and so right as we got to Denver, we just really like integrated ourselves into the real estate community and have made like such good friends, like lifelong friends that are also really experienced in real estate to the point that like the other day, um, the furnace stopped working at our Airbnb and I have a guest checking in at three. It's 12 o'clock. I notice on my app that the, the temperature in the house is like 58. Like, mm. Uh-oh. Immediately get on the phone, call a buddy. I was like, hey, dude, I need a furnace guy. You got one? Mm -hmm. You got three numbers right away. Yeah. Like, got it. Like, this community looks out for each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've, I've learned is like, you'll find a way to get it done. And so that gives me the confidence that, and it always goes back to nothing's new. There's always been a furnace that went out. Yeah. There's always a window that broke. Mm -hmm. um, like we just found out. Like, an hour before we recorded this. Yeah. We'll get it fixed. Yeah. It's got a window guy. It, like I built things up too much in my head. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's not as, it, it's just simple. It's just find the right person to get it done. And you uh, get better and better and better at it as you go. That's yeah. what I found. It's like problems don't, it's like, it doesn't get easier. You just get better. Yeah. You know, you yeah. just get better at dealing with it. you get better at, um, you, you're more resourceful and you know, it's like, ah, that's happened before. Yeah. Like, I know what to do now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're like, and, and now like, let's say I have another tenant that need, we need to evict or something, or I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, so I'm, since I am newer to it, it's not that I, I don't, that I think I know everything or that I, I cause I don't I have so much to learn. Um, and so much experience to get, yeah. but you got to embrace that because you can't, you can't skip that part, right? Like you're new at something, the person you look up to that might know everything about real estate was also new at one exactly. point too. No one gets to skip that because you can learn all you want from books and podcasts and all that. But until you get in it and like get that skill from experience mm -hmm. and, and build that confidence um, that you can figure anything out, um, you can't skip that, man. No, you and, can't. And you hear people all the time just – they even at every level, they're like new problems. There's always something new. Yeah. But they have the confidence that they'll fix it. Well, what I like about this is that, um, you know, when we met for the first time, we immediately just started, you know, I say like, sh uh, comparing scars, yeah. right? Cause it's, it's <laughs> like what you're doing in real yeah. estate is you just, you get around someone who's been in it for a little while or someone who's, you know, it doesn't really matter. We all have scars yeah. and that's what, that's what real estate investors do is they just sit around and they, they show each other all their scars, <laughs> yeah. like check this one out. Right. Um, oh, and it's even... just something so fun about that. When you embrace it, man, it's fun. Like when you when you just back up, you're like, dude, look what we're doing. Like, right? Uh, you get to do something you like doing, and you're you're get to deal with like a multitude of people. Like, there's just so many ways that this is fun. That yeah. like some of the stuff that's inconvenient sometimes it's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. And what's the what's the trade off? What's the alternative? Right. Yeah. What's the trade off? For me, it's I'd be sitting in behind a chair pulling teeth. You know, like, yep. this is still better than that. I'll I'll handle a contractor. That's fine. Yeah. A lot easier. So, all right. So we talked about your 
portfolio. And I know that the one that you've got, the Airbnb that you've got next door to me is hitting the market here yeah. pretty soon, right? Yeah. We're going to do medium term rentals for traveling nurses. I love it. Yeah. It's right by the hospital, right by the train. Um, I think I can get it cash flowing really well. What um, is your strategy for that? How are you? So, cause I should say I've done midterm rental Yeah, and it has not been that profitable for me Yeah, because I have these little like two week gaps that crush my cash flow, mm. right? Somebody wants six weeks and then the next person's like, well, I can't check in till February 1st yeah. and they check out on, you know, January 17th. And I'm like, crap, I've now got this like two week cash flow. So, um, what's your strategy to, to run these midterm rentals? Like, what are you doing for that? Yeah. The nice part is, is two of the units became vacant now mm-hmm. and two of them in March or in April. So we're going to try, we're going to try it on two of them right away yep. and, and see how it goes. So we're kind of mitigating a little bit. We got our solid, you know, stable long-term rent in the back so we can try it out and see how it goes for the two. And if for some reason we're like, we don't like it, it's not working. Well, we're not going to furnish the back ones either. Mm. We'll just rent it out long-term again. So that's a little bit of how we're going into it to test it out because yep. we've never done midterm rentals before. But from what I've heard to your point about the gaps, I heard from who I've talked to in Denver that is doing midterm rentals at scale, like 13, 14 units. They don't, they mitigate that by just saying, well, it's available on this day. Mm. Um, not like check in whenever you want, but no, like, it's, you have to check in on this date. Right. Like this is Got the it. day that it's available. Almost to a sense of like when I used to, when, well, we still rent, but when I rented a place before, they're like, it's available on August 1st. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't get to town till August 10th. It's like, well, not too bad. The lease is, and not too bad in a sense of like, you're greedy and you want more money, but it's like, that's just how it is. It's how the business model like, should be. You're work. providing a space for someone that can travel and they're making more money by being able to come here. Mm-hmm. Well, you also need to make sure that you can provide a, a clean quality space and that takes, that takes money. So yeah. from what I've heard and I can, I'll let you know how it goes is, is they, they work with the, the, tra- the traveling nurses or the corporate professionals um, and just say, Hey, this is the check-in day. Well, and that's not something that we did. We just kind of like put it on Airbnb and just took whoever we could get. Right. But what I like about that strategy is a couple things. You can you can lock up. Uh, um, what am I trying to say here? Like, you can go to a traveling nurse company and they can say, "We will make sure we have someone in that yeah, unit." Right. That, you can that. get these agreements in place. You can set this up. Uh, I also like the fact that you're by the light rail, right? So people yeah. can travel in and out, you yeah. know, transportation. So there's a lot of reasons why I think that will do better than our strategy, which was just we got it at the height of COVID when everyone mm. was leaving to go wherever. Right. And it's just, you know, it's over by Rhino Beer Garden. Yeah. Um, and it worked great. And then it just stopped working that great because we were going after the wrong demographic. There's not a lot of traveling nurses staying there because it's too far from hospitals. It's too far from. So, you know, for those reasons, I just don't think it worked that well for us, but clearly the model works. Well, and and the hospital, they can, the the contracts in the hospitals are also flexible. Mm -hmm. So they can go to the hospital like, Hey, I can't move in. Like maybe they can't get in early enough. Yeah. And they're like, my contracts for August 1st, but the places are able to August 10th, they just go to their employer and say, Hey, can I start on the 11th? Yeah, exactly. It's just communication. And, right. and I think that air, so we're not planning on going on Airbnb. I think I'm going to go furnish finder and Facebook groups. Yeah. Um, and you just post unit available on 
this day. You give up a lot of money doing it on Airbnb, first of all. Yeah, and then the you're also house. subject to their preference, right? And yeah. it's like, well, I've, you, know, you can't be like it's only available on this. It's just harder to do that. Yeah. Um, so we made a lot of mistakes, but that's... That's how you learn. Yeah, that's how you learn. Yeah. So, all right. So I want to ask you about your upside plays because there, or, or maybe just like where you're at in yeah. your business right now. Are you building more reliability? Mm-hmm. Well, I know you're building more reliability. You're buying rentals. You're doing yeah. these things. What is your upside play right now? Brand. Mm. Um, starting the podcast. So started, uh, it's called Get Investing. I fumbled around with the idea for a while. Mm. So my wife and I actually launched the podcast together as like a couple's real estate podcast mm. and quickly realized... So she has her own large podcast that she runs for women, uh, personal development, women empowerment. But we wanted to do this one together. Quickly realized I need to take ownership in it myself and and do it myself Mm. solo. Not that I didn't like doing it with her, not that she didn't like it. It's just more of I need to have something that I own. Um, I fumbled around with what the direction I wanted it to be until I got clear on who I was helping. Mm. And I really want to help the people that were in my shoes a couple years ago working a high uh, high paying corporate job, maybe you're an engineer, a lawyer, dentist, a uh, doctor, stuff like that, that maybe don't like it as much anymore mm. and want to switch and want to move. Um, and they got the golden handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. you do. Uh, you, you get that as you, you know, you make more money, you get a bigger house, you get a bigger car. It's harder to take those risks, but mm-hmm. it's not that I know that my way was the right way, but I want to bring on people to inspire um, the listeners of, of different paths in real estate and, mm. and show them that you can either invest on the side and, and have a nice stable uh, kind of side hustle or income from, from a house and some retirement over here, or you can go full on and like change careers. Yeah. So I got super clear on that. I think the upside play of, of like the social play is huge in real estate. I think it's undervalued. Yeah, me too. Um, I think the ROI on, on doing it is high because it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of work. To, for you to like set up this podcast, to, to edit it, to, to get the team in place, to be consistent is really hard. Um, but the ROI is huge. Yeah. Um, and well, the upside's huge. And what's the downside? Right? Like time. It, it's that's, time, that's exactly sure. right. And I yeah. say this all the time this whole personal, because we're doing a lot of personal branding strategy. I mean, yeah. And because there is so much upside in relationships Mm -hmm. but it's very unpredictable it's hard to like know exact it's not reliable in a sense it's also hard to track sometimes how do you measure it exactly yeah we've been trying to do that as well um uh we've got a whole that's a whole nother podcast around um what we call relationship capital momentum right so i'm a freaking nerd and engineering nerd and so isaac newton's second law of motion is momentum equals mass times velocity yeah right so this whole idea of like, well, if you want to create momentum in your relationships, Mm -hmm. it's a function of mass and velocity. What does that mean in in terms of relationships? Well, mass is the number of people that you know. That's how I see it. The more people that you know, velocity is the more activity you do, the more podcasts you do, the more meetups you go to, the more people that you actually engage with and add value to their life, the more people you're going to have stepping towards you, which is relationship capital momentum yeah right they start moving towards you so it's that's how we measure it um yeah. is through this lens of like well 
what does it mean to create more momentum in your relationships? Well, let's go back to the to the second law of motion and, and implement that, right? Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. No. That, that's such a good way to do it because if your velocity is high, let's mm-hmm. say you're you're putting out podcasts, you're you're going to the meetups, you're you're doing things like people are naturally attracted to you. So assuming that what you're saying is valuable, and again, it, it's right. it's got to be from a position of not what's in it for me, what's in it for them, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. What is in it for people like yourself, like, or anyone who's listening to this, or anyone you go on an appointment with, or yeah. whatever you meet with, you know, relationships in the in the business, and people can immediately tell when you're doing it from a self-serving, you know, space, right? Yeah. I'm trying to, you know, it's the direct response marketers who were like, yeah. give me your email. And it's like, wait a second. We don't even know each other yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just, I think it's such a, it is truly a massive upside play. And, and, and what's, and I say this all the time, like what's the downside of yeah. making a bunch of friends, I guess. Right. Like I even think just like the confidence you build from doing a podcast and maybe you don't get hundreds of thousands of downloads, but you get to, to have a project you work on. Like, what's so bad about that? Like, like it's not, I kind of, I just, the whole social thing for me was a struggle for a while. I just wasn't like, eh, do I need to share things online? I've been sharing, I don't know. I haven't been doing the podcast that long, but the messages I get of like, wow, really related to that. Or like, thanks for Mm. sharing. Like, dude, that's cool, man. Like you're like, people are hearing stories and they're going to get inspired in their own ways. And, um, I'm not really expecting anything of it. I just know I like doing it. It, it helps me um, grow as a person. It's a challenge. Yeah. But maybe there's something bigger at play that, that we use it for in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I think it's a new wave of, of how we work. Like, what do you, what's the first thing you do when you meet someone? You're going to go check their Instagram. Exactly. I'm going to go figure out Google, what they're right? all about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's your digital card. Yeah. And like, as soon as that clicked, I'm like, okay, well, what am I putting out into the world? Mm-hmm. What do I want more of? If I want connections with people, I might, I could be the smartest person in the world, but if no one knows you, then how can they connect with you? And people have a tendency in my experience to discount the value that they bring to the conversation, right? They think yeah. like, well, what do I, what do I have to add? And that's what I struggled with. Cause I'm like, I just started real estate. I'm yeah. not, I don't know. What do I know answers. about all this? I can just share what. I'm doing and, yeah. and shoot, I don't even know if it all works yet. It could talk to me in six months. I could be like, man, no one's staying at my Airbnb. Like <laughs> this right. sucks. Like, I don't know. Um, but there's power in that because mm-hmm. people, the person that has a hundred thousand units or 50,000 units or whatever, like that's not relatable to the person that wants to get started. You're right. The person that's on the journey that's just starting out, that person's more relatable. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the, you could be saying the same message that maybe someone else says. But the person needed to hear it from you. Yep. Right. And my wife tells me that she's like, I told you, like, she tells me something. I'm like, <laughs> someone else says, I'm like, dude, I think I want to do this. Mm. And she's like, I told you that. I'm like, well, I had to hear it like a different way. I can't tell you how many times that's happened with me. <laughs> You're just not, either not in the right space. The right person's not saying it. You weren't receptive to the information, but for whatever yeah. reason. It just clicks sometimes, man. And so you don't discount the value that you have to bring to the conversation. And so I encourage every single real estate investor I meet, I'm like, start a podcast. What that means is get on a Zoom call with with one of your friends, hit record, and just talk about your experience. Share your experience from a place of truth, not from a, I'm trying to get something out of this, other than, uh, I mean, of course, we all are in this business to make money, 
right? So there's a, but there's a difference between coming at it from your sharing your truth and Mm -hmm. sharing it in a way that you're trying to get something from the other side, right? There's a very big difference there. Yeah. Um, So yeah, yeah, I think you would agree just if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like new to real estate investing, find some way to share your story because someone will benefit from your struggles, your experiences. This is what real estate investing is. It's swapping stories, sharing uh, scars, yeah. right, and and comparing notes. Dude, I think the world would be like a lot better place if we just everyone just shared what they're doing and like you know no one's judging you. People and I that's what I realized like no one's judging you for sharing your story. Right. Like, and if they are, that those aren't the type of people you want in your life. But I guarantee you'll attract people into your circle. Um, you never know. You might get in. Maybe you don't have the money for a house, but you have the energy and the drive. If you're not talking about it, how is someone supposed to know? Yeah. Like, what if there's an investor out there that wants someone to be an operator? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they take a chance on you because you're putting yourself out there and you're tr- like, you're putting that in the universe and they come back to you and they're like, hey, you want to partner on this? I just don't want to manage it. Like, will you manage it? Like, yeah. There's there's so many possibilities that can come from it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, here's Do your, it. Uh, this is your, <laughs> this your, is your sign, sign right here. <laughs> um, all right. So last thing is I want you to tell me, you know... I wrote this down as like, what's your greatest lesson you've learned in business or investing? It doesn't have to be the greatest lesson. It might just be the most, you know, the thing that's on your mind right now. But what's something you want to, a lesson you want to leave, you know, the listeners with? There's a, there's one really specific one and it would be investing uh, earlier in my career. Um, I really didn't take it seriously. I thought I was just going to save my way to wealth. Mm. I thought I was just going to get a ton of money. Yeah. Um, I was working. I was making a lot of money as a dentist. It was good. Um, highly taxed, not as great as real estate. So, um, and then COVID hit, and I went down to two days a week. Wow! And so did my pay. And, and luckily, we're in a, we had some savings, and my wife was working still. But um, that made me realize, like, dang, I need to like, I need to be thinking about other options. Mm. So I wish I would have started earlier. And I mean, every real estate person is going to say, I wish I would have bought earlier. Um, you know, ask yourself in five years. You're always happier that you bought than you didn't. Yeah. Um, so that's that's like a specific example, but I think the overarching would be just like taking action. Yeah. And like you're not going to be ready. You're not going to uh, know all the answers. Uh, you're not going to know all the steps. Um, I was a big step guy. I'm like, okay, give me all the steps. Let me make sure I'm really comfortable with all of them, and then I'll start. Like real estate in general, just it's just a bunch of little steps, man. Mm. It's like how do you evaluate a property? How do you buy a property? It's like what's the next step you got to do? You're not going to be able to do them all or know what to do all at once. So I would say that just taking action just sooner and faster. That's great. And I think that's, uh, I would echo that. Um, just take, just take action, find a way, you know, reach out to one of us. If you're thinking about investing here in Denver, um, yeah. like you, like you said, the community is so willing to share. Um, it just, it's just a matter of like, what's the next thing that needs to go right. Right. And yeah. then taking action on that. So, yeah. And you're going to learn, you got this. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to wrap this up, we, I want to remind everyone of the, the concept of the investor frame, right? So the idea is like knowing what you know now, knowing what you just heard on this show here, yeah. what needs to change in your life or your business? What action do you need to take? Um, you know, I hope that you guys can all take something away from that and think about that. And uh, Sina, thanks so much for coming in and sharing your, your story with us, man. Dude, I'm glad it could help. Um, you know, I, I think I'm excited for this podcast. I think it's a really good it's a good idea to, to really th- make, get people to think about their life. I think there's questions that 
that we need to ask ourselves sometimes that are hard questions. Um, and I speak from experience. And it wasn't until I asked myself truly how I was doing and if I was really happy with this, where I was at in my life. Mm. Um, and it's not that I was unhappy. I'm not saying like I had this like back against the wall, terrible situation, but I would just had to ask myself, is this my full potential? Is this really what I want to be doing? And I think it's easy to ignore those questions sometimes. Yeah. So this is great that you're doing this because I think this will help people ask themselves better questions, even if the, an- the potential for the answer to is not that great. Yeah. Oh, thanks, cool, man. man. So go check out Cena. He's got an amazing new podcast. I've been listening to the last couple episodes. Get Investing. You can check it out on Spotify and Apple and all the cool places. And give Appreciate him a follow it. on Instagram. I'll be posting some stuff there. So anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Appreciate it. If you want to find out more about how we use the Certainty Operating System in real estate, DM me the word Certainty.